Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And we are live. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another edition of V is for Velas. Uh, very excited. So happy Friday. Hopefully everyone's having a great day so far. Uh, just a quick programming updates. Um, today, we will not be doing a Hanging with Harley. Uh, but Harley did ask me to remind everyone that this weekend, the Schiller Institute is hosting an international conference titled Inspiring Humanity to Survive the Greatest Crisis in the World. As you know, Harley, along with Helga Zepp LaRouche, uh, the LaRouche organization is doing a lot of things to steer and change the current trajectory that the United States is going on. So do me a favor, jump over to the Schiller Institute.com, find out about this weekend's conference, uh, tee it up, get ready to listen to it this weekend. It starts at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Saturday. Harley is going to be hosting the first panel, the first two panels uh, for this. Uh, I can't promise a simulcast on Rogue. Uh, Saturday sometimes gets a little bit difficult, but uh, you can catch the full live stream over at the Schiller Institute. With that being said, Velas, welcome back, brother. How are you? Morning. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Velas. It's just um, it's been a very we're, here we are, September 9th, and so far, Velas, it's been a very very interesting roller coaster of a ride for September. Yeah. So 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 hopefully you can provide a little clarity through it. I know you've been recently been traveling. Uh, so, so go for it. Take it, t take us into it, bro. Sure, man. And, uh, uh, V will probably not be joining us today, folks. He, he might show up later. We'll, we'll see. Um, so I posted on, uh, the discord site last evening, uh, today I was going to cover, uh, social armies for hire, uh, a on the ground report from California uh, the unipolar, multipolar world, and some other stuff. So much like V, uh, I went to a blue state, and I got sick. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, towards the tail end of my trip, uh, I wasn't feeling well, went to a clinic, and they're like, hey, you've got COVID. Um, not as bad as it was the last time, because I relied on natural immunity rather than an inoculation. But anyway, fortunately... Uh, what do you call it? California no longer has this rule like Europe that if they find you've got it, that you know you can't leave the state for fourteen days or something. <laughs> Thank so, God. <laughs> right. So, uh, anywho, but um, and actually, at least the medical people I went to see were rather enlightened. Let's say we'll just we'll just leave it at that. I wish. Well, the good news, Velas, is you would have easily had a place to stay for those fourteen days. E any. Of the homeless camps centered around Los right. Angeles, anywhere in LA, you would have been felt right at home. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, there's uh yeah, then there's plenty of hotel space. Um so 
uh i've mentioned it on prior shows previously i'm, I'm going in a little, little weird direction here but just just bear with me folks um if things are are getting you down uh or you just feel worn out uh call a friend go for a walk adjust your diet get some exercise but uh please call somebody or reach out um i recently lost a close friend uh to depression recently and I don't need to tell all of you that that stuff is real. So if if you need help, folks, ask for it. And and it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. Don't, don't act as though yeah. you're. Yeah. I, I want to so back just, that up. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. You know, I've lost, gosh, three, three or four friends to suicide. And it's and it's no fun. And, you know, in particular, when you deem that person a uh, close friend that you would hope that they could reach out to you during that time of need. But there's no. There's no fault. There's no guilt in in just basically admitting this saying, Hey, I have a, a, I'm struggling right now. I'm I'm struggling with this, and to to leverage that. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a right. sign of strength to say, Hey, I'm broken right now. I'm 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 in crisis mode. I I need some help. So absolutely, and that goes for the listeners here. You, you could be de- dealing with some some things, some 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 issues that are keeping you awake at night. So absolutely, Vela. Sorry for your loss. I know that's not an easy thing. Um, a lot of things to consider there, but, you know, great, great message uh, to our audience. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and you know, as as CJ said himself, I mean, uh, if you if you got folks that you're wondering about, pick up the phone and give them give them a call. Um, I've I've had some folks who are who listen to my show and some of the others here on Rogue who've who've made comments to me about, well, I need some more cheerful news. And it's like, well, as I often jokingly say on my show, doing the best I can. But we're also covering some heavy topic matter. So, but usually just people's personal lives and things like that are enough to wear them down. So, do your best to kind of get off the grid if you can and uh, watch the diet and keep up with the exercise and similar. So, um, armies for hire uh, to dovetail off of Gus's comments from Wednesday. Uh, we continue to witness inside the borders of the United States mercenaries doing their thing. Because this isn't Africa or South America, we don't seem to be getting it, so let me explain a little bit. When the FBI and their masters in private equity in the U.S. intelligence community pay for, keyword, pay for Antifa and BLM along with Patriot groups to sustain the narrative, those are mercenaries. When they empower and enable the homeless to squat in Seattle, Washington, and Portland, Oregon suburbs to make those residents move out, that's a form of mercenary army. You don't need guns to be a mercenary force. The unknown and potential for violence uh, can be as effective as violence itself. What would be interesting would be some classic investigative reporting to trace the sources of money and most likely the law firms who are dispensing those firms. It also begs the question what other resources they may yet bring to bear. The down economy makes people much easier to recruit. So Northern California and on the ground, um, Give me a little room on this one because I've been on a bit of a vision quest this last uh, week or two. This also dovetails into my armies for higher comments. Now, specifically, I was in Northern California last week. One of the many reasons why I was there was I was there to see Gary Newman. For any of you who remember the kind of synth pop uh, British artist from the 1980s who's performing at a club in San Francisco called Bimbo's 365. It's a really cool venue, by the way. It's been there for years. Uh, the way I've, they've got it, um, I would say decorated, but the way it kind of looks these days, it looks like the haunted mansion at Walt Disney World or Disneyland, which is perfect for for Gary. Um, 
Patronage at restaurants in San Francisco remains 45% less than it was in 2019. And if you're on the ground out there, you can you can see that with your own eyes. Parking rates in the city were much lower than I recall in, in prior years. You can also see where many businesses and shops have closed their doors. There's two key efforts underway in San Francisco worth noting. They have a new district attorney with a much different attitude. And the homeless are being moved out, though you can still see camps literally right out of right outside City Hall. It's no secret why this is happening. There are wealthy people with pull who can overcome the social engineers ruining Seattle and Portland, among other places. Plus, the midterms are coming up, and they're trying to lessen the damage that that may cause. You also have a base of people out there who, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how much reality is biting them in the backside, I find are still sitting in remaining restaurants in the city discussing the importance of the right approach and public policy coordination and planning. These are people who wear buttons or have bumper stickers on their cars because I saw them saying, keep California blue, or my personal favorite, keep Tahoe blue. As I said on a prior show, anyone in the state who just can't take it anymore has left, as evidenced by last spring and the sheer volume of California license plates as I traveled through New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, and the list goes on. So we now have an equilibrium of incredibly wealthy people in the state who have their limits on what they're going to tolerate and others who believe you can engineer humanity. Now, specifically, I was traveling from Northern California to about the middle part of the state. And my main takeaway is folks are just tired. You can see it in their eyes. From agricultural workers to people behind counters at various stores to the homeless themselves, to business owners, to the ever-present utility workers frantically trying to keep the grid going. Folks in that state are just tired and worn out. Now, I'm sure many in America feel the same way, and it was certainly the case there. And you won't be shocked to hear that there's a quiet effort across the state right now to make sure various key sectors have access to diesel fuel. Is that trucking, you say? No, it's for backup generators or secondary power system, given all the troubles they've had with the grid. Now, the weather is supposed to be kind of mellowing out in California in a while, and by the grace of God, there was a small tropical storm off the coast of the state that's kind of now flowing eastward and is bringing rain to Southern California and even parts of Arizona, which which thank God for that. Now, why all this focus on California is just because I went there? No. When I was in college, the world's largest economies in order were the United States, then Japan, then California, followed by Germany, et cetera, et cetera. California was the third largest global economy. That's a single U.S. state. Even in current time, California's economy is bigger than the United Kingdom. Long live King Charles. And Texas is bigger than Canada. California is still in the number five or number six spot as of today's show. And as one of the largest economies in the world with $3 trillion in annual revenue. With numbers that big, it takes a lot to bring down California. In fact, my argument is, They wanted to bring it down, but not destroy it, and shift the wealth and some of the population elsewhere. Now, here are some data points you might find interesting from 2022. CJ, would you care to throw out a guess on who is the number one U.S. state for growth in 2022? Now, that's growth, not GDP. Economic growth or just population? Uh, Good qualification, economic growth. Economic growth? uh, I would say probably either Texas or Florida. It's Idaho. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I can see that. It's very uh, reasonable there. Yeah. 
yeah, now now to equally blow everybody's minds, who's the number two U.S. state for growth? Washington State. Hmm. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Vellis, you just said Washington State in, in you know, specifically Seattle and Oregon via Portland were in dire straits. Well, we have to distinguish from high-profile attention-gathering metro areas versus the state's economics. There are many metro areas in the United States who are on life support. Detroit comes to mind. But the condition of the state economically is quite strong. By the way, Oregon has the eighth highest rate of growth in 2022. About a year ago, I was in northern Michigan, and I was stunned by the numbers of millionaires, lots of them, moving into places like Boyne, where there's a major ski resort town. They're moving their folks and not buying property. Why? Well, there's many reasons. One of them is the state's taxes are very favorable if your money comes from investments and not from salaried income. Now, I'm pretty sure that came from auto executives in Detroit who didn't want Michigan bankrupting them after they retired. Now, who else has high growth right now? Utah and Arizona. If we step back and look at it, that's a heck of a shift of wealth out of states like uh, New York and California. And moving that wealth and those populations into other states. And the shift isn't just, just financial, it's political. People, plural, are benefiting from this. And this has been executed with military-like precision. I'd recommend caution, but this is a topic that needs, needs more research. Now, being partially Scottish, let me also add this. When Scotland lost the last major uprising against England after the Battle of Culloden, most of the common folk of Scotland were moved out of the highlands. I mean, literally, they were moved out of the country. They called it the clearances. That's why so many Scots now live in the United States, Australia, Canada, etc. But who removed those people? It wasn't English armies. Sadly, it was Scotland's own aristocrats who, in cooperation with the English government, moved everybody out and turned Scotland into rangeland for cattle and sheep once the people were gone. Even worse, Culloden was so divisive. Where have we heard that before? Major divisive events in a country. I'm thinking Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Culloden was so divisive it had the largest number of Scots fighting for England as much as against England. In the end, though, regardless of which side you were on, large numbers of people were moved out of the country never to return. How are the moves by great financial wealth and power in the United States any different as people are shifting about the United States? Oh, pardon. So the law, we need to know the law, folks, not the complexities and vagaries, but some of the key things they don't tell you. It's not about procedure. Procedure is what you use to accomplish your goals. I'm talking about understanding what constitutes having a case or using the system for your benefit. If you take part in the Treasury Department's whistleblower program under Section 26 of the USC, that's the United States Legal Code, the government will pay you 30% of what they acquire from that filing. You fill out what's known as a Form 211 after you submit your information. Last year, the federal government paid out $86 million in that program. I learned that one from attorneys at LexisNexis because not everyone in the legal community knows everything about the law. It's why legal information firms like LexisNexis or Westlaw do come in handy. By the way, you can pay those folks as non-lawyers to perform research for you. In fact, they're happy to do business with novices in the law as you're going to actually listen to them. 
I did business with Lexus for a number of years. And one of the frustrations that many of the people who work there had was there's nothing worse than lawyers trying to tell other lawyers their legal arguments might be wrong. They like working with people who aren't from the legal community because you're at least willing to listen to what they're trying to tell you. There are several law firms who all they do is specialize in tax errors by major corporations. One of my favorites is several law firms where all they do is submit claims to Treasury for improperly paid taxes by specifically pharmaceutical firms. They are lawyers, but they don't really practice law. They found a glitch in the system and they profit by it. Likewise, did you know if you can prove someone lied to the government about a contract, you can receive up to three times the damages? My thanks to Zero Hedge for their recent article about a Pfizer vaccine whistleblower, Brooke Jackson, who's suing Pfizer for a host of violations relating to false certifications of their drugs, doctored data, bad clinical trials, and firing of whistleblowers. Let's she not was, forget that we don't need any clinical trials for the boosters. Uh, you bet. Why have clinical trials? They're just getting away. Yep, yep, yep. She was the number three person who was in charge of clinical trials that were used to justify the emergency youth authorization of the EUA. Her main claim is to prevent taxpayer funding of billions for a product with more risks than benefits. One of the lawyers involved, who, by the way, has won cases like this before, said the settlement could be $3 trillion. It would be sufficient enough to cause Pfizer to go bankrupt. Or you could buy the state of California. It's your call. With that, CJ, would you pull up some of the images I sent you earlier? Sure. All right. I wasn't sure the order, if you emailed me the, the way you wanted them there's, presented. Yeah, there's like a number one, number two on those, but but any order's fine. Okay. All right. There you go. So what if I told you that I already told you and you didn't listen? I don't mean me, but uh, Ron and Rand Paul. Just food for thought. Next one. I want to thank Green Machine for this one. 2022 disaster bingo. Dennis goes back to life. China invades Taiwan. Nuclear warfare. Civil civil war in any superpower. These are these are the ones that haven't happened yet. And the third one. There you go. I even had friends in California that were telling me that that this has almost begun to disturb them, that they were in a room where they, it wasn't even their phone, but it was people who were friends of theirs, and a conversation came up. They went out to their car, pulled up their phone, and they had advertisements for whatever the heck the conversation had been in the living room. Oh, yeah. I just, oh, yeah. I just sat there, rolled my eyes, and said, geez, I don't know. That sounds crazy. Um, so moving on, just, just a reminder, folks, we have memes over on the Discord channel. Well, and and Velas, I mean, let's let's keep in mind how many of us actually read through the terms and conditions of using those apps. Like I don't like, and we get the notifications all the time. Like, hey, we just updated our terms and conditions for our apps. You know, and do I read it? Hell no. I just scroll down and just hit the accept, and it's probably like authorizing them everything. But um, I don't know what it could be. Like literally, like you know accessing my home security camera system to monitor our feed and creating some type of a, of a TV programming show <laughs> marketing. It's all marketing. Well, there were, yeah, there was that episode folks in um, South park where it was Apple. I mean, once again, telling truth through fiction, which isn't really fiction where they sewed together. Um, I was one of the little kid characters and two other people. It was the human centipede thing where 
they signed a contract when they got an iPhone that literally said, we can sell you to another person. And, and the whole point was, because there was a lot of subtlety in the episode, the whole point was Silicon Valley was trying to figure out what would it take to make people read the contract. And so, like, Steve Jobs and others kept getting frustrated because it's like, well, they signed the contract again without reading it. And it's like, well, what do we have to do to the consumer to make them realize they need to read the contract? Now, I know there's a certain somebody who listens to the show who would say, well, I'd go out there and cross out certain provisions of these contracts or whatever. But it's like the problem with any kind of product contract is, is either you're going to agree to the long laundry list of terms or you're not. Uh, they don't really go for for you line iteming whether or not, you know, to use a washer or a dryer or a cell phone, you're going to agree to their terms. Um, Valus, real quick, if I can tell you, like even, yeah. even the technology, this was 10 plus years ago where a lot of those digital ad reader boards, regardless of where they were, you know, if you go up to a, a, a shopping window and they have some type of digital uh, presentation or media, they, they literally have camera monitors that monitor your eye movement to see what you're targeting in on that ad on that thing and they use that data i mean it's that it's been that way i mean that's 10 years ago imagine what it is today go ahead um well there's a couple things with that cj the the first is is for many years if any of you ever saw the documentaries they were very proud of themselves back in the late 80s they had uh um cameras watch folks who would sit in chairs and stuff and just watch various advertisements and not to be indelicate they were monitoring eye movement and similar for instance they wanted a, a attractive woman to not be so attractive that the male subject is not paying attention to the product. Same thing for women in a, in a converse, conversely sort of way. These are also things that were profiled again in the movie I brought up two weeks ago called Looker. Um, the difference though now, folks, is, is with your cell phone. And depending on the fact that, you know, there's two cameras there's not just the camera on the front of your cell phone. There's the camera that faces you. Seems kind of odd, doesn't it, that they would go through all the trouble of sticking a camera on the front of the phone. You've already got a really nice camera on the back of the phone. Why do you need one on the front? Well, in case you want to take a quick selfie. Uh, either that or they want to monitor eye movement while you're looking at stuff. Not, not that I ever had any experience with the Department of Defense using that sort of technology in order to manipulate foreign citizens. No, of course not. That would be that's the realm of science fiction. That's crazy talk. Um, so before I move into the unipolar versus multipolar world, let me cover a few things about the world in which we live. Um, if you're living in the United States, at least, although there are laws I know of in a number of countries that actually also give citizens in those countries quite a bit of sway. But if you're a U.S. citizen, your constitution, your rights under the law are extensive. And, and it goes to my earlier comment, you have to research this stuff. And I know it's a pain, don't want to do it. And that's one of the reasons why networking helps. And that's where the rogue Discord page comes into play. Um, this isn't about anybody needing to run for office, but what I'm saying is keep educating yourselves on your damn rights, folks. And there's a friend of our show on Sunday nights who periodically does uh, an informal thing in the lounge at 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Not always there, but when they are, uh, they have a superb knowledge of the law. Sometimes it's just a round table of us joking about stuff. On other occasions, they get into specific topics, including, you know, farm rights and easements and whatever it might be. Um Start identifying what matters to you most. I know it's a topic I've brought up before, 
and find ways that you can be involved. And being involved is a very wide swath here. Um, if it's school boards, whether your kids are in college or you have no kids, uh, local city councils, other issue-centric areas where you can get involved. There's several people out there who could use your help. Uh, post an article on Sunday, August 28th about Sharona Jackson. The FBI broke into her house last fall, handcuffed her and her husband on their lawn, dragged her kids by their shirt collars into their rooms, and scared the hell out of them. What was her crime? Well, she's an activist for school board reform, voting rights, and investigating election irregularities. And I'm pretty sure it's that last item because both parties and private equity and the intelligence community do not want anybody looking into the election irregularities. If you recall a show I did recently where I laid out what I think is really behind all of what happened during the last election. Now, she's suing a ton of organizations for that law enforcement raid. And it looks like she she may win, and she's definitely getting some traction. Go do your own research. Find local and national groups you want to support and find ways to do that. I've offered examples of those groups on prior shows. Also, my frequent reminder about the Second Amendment. There's no need for you to worry about your guns just yet. Get involved locally and nationally where and how you can with your own research and using the law. You have rights. Defend those first. The Second Amendment will take care of itself. And on that point, have no doubts. They're going to do everything they can to try and provoke violence in this country. They're going to try and provoke violence and confusion and sow chaos any way they can to try and screw up the midterms. I'm sure we're going to see some crisis actors coming very shortly on TV. Do not fall for this crap. Do not let yourself fall into violence yourself. And if you, as I've often said, if you find yourself, you know, fooled or distracted by some of these things, look, these folks are professionals. We can't always avoid all the stuff they do. But again, it's why I like some of the conversations I see on our Discord page. A lot of you are very good at asking very good questions. And in some cases, even I hadn't thought of myself. So well, that, yeah, well, that in itself, what you just said, because I don't want to delay you from your, your, um, what you have lined up for us, but I think that that in itself probably warrants a whole an entire show talking about the psyop and everything that's involved in regards to the, uh, warfare that's currently taking place. And, and it takes on a multitude of different angles, perspectives. And like I said, it probably warrants an entire discussion in regards to it. Uh, so that people are aware and, and prepare for it, but go ahead, Velas. No, thanks, CJ. So don't don't fall for it. And remember, it's not just going to be national events. It's not just going to be my topic about the cities. Don't let these folks provoke you. And as I started said at the start of the show, if the stress is getting to you, reach out, talk to folks. You're not alone. If you're a person who has you know a declared religion, or if you don't, uh, there's there's always clergy. Um, if that's not your comfort area, maybe some counseling or similar might help. But I don't want to understate it, and I don't want to overstate it. All of us, myself included, and CJ and V and Gus and all God's children here at Rogue and Frank over it, quite frankly, and and Polly doing her thing up in Canada, and the list goes on, Matthew Arrett, we are all under assault. Have no doubts whatsoever is every word I'm saying. I worked with these people. I know the tools they have to bear. I saw what we did to other countries. I know the weapons they have at their disposal and the power that they can wield is at times almost godlike. But again, the difference is know the illusion, 
know what they're trying to do to us, know what they are trying to inflict and why. It goes to why I went on that narrative about what's going on in California and certain metropolitan areas. This is a population shift. This is a power shift. This is a money shift. And as I've often said, you know, elephants in the playground, there's giants in the playground. We just have to stay out from under feet. And half the time, it's hard to know who the players are without a program. T-shirts may be forthcoming on that topic, but anyway. Um, we've said on Rogue, a number of us, I know Matthew has, I know CJ and V have, about the multipolar versus unipolar world. And again, some clarity. Following World War II, global country politics was a bipolar political environment between the United States and the Soviet Union. Conflict was based on friction points between the two great superpowers. When the Cold War ended with the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991, the language that was used described a new model of a single uh, superpower or a unipolar world. Now, we've had unipolar worlds before, uh, under Rome, under Britain, a number of other examples in ancient history. The desires of what was perceived to be the United States was disproportionately influencing the world. Now, the United States and several Western countries established what are known as international rules or regimes, as it's known in international affairs theory, for trade, banking, weights and measures, and the list goes on during the Cold War period. With the absence of the Soviet Union, the system the United States and its allies created was the global environment following 1991. Plus, let us not forget the importance of Bretton Woods as a financial system following 1945. Academia, or most authors, will view those years as a group of rational actors, whether they're countries or political leaders, trying to operate in that system for the betterment of the system itself. If you listen to Rogue or other alternative sources, you'll have, shall we say, a more enlightened view. First, that system was in many cases a zero-sum game. The United States and Western powers had to economically win every situation before anyone else received any benefit. There are many good analysts who pointed out the original intent by U.S. leaders post-World War II was a more egalitarian economic environment for the world, something better than Pax Britannica, where Britain oversaw everything. It was under Britain's rule, the global economy, you could have someone like Leopold II of Belgium who would try and wipe out every living person in the Congo because, well, they're just Africans, and it would be so much better if Europeans were living there. Second, we've covered on Rogue, you have several countries, namely China, Russia, and India, saying the world is moving towards a unipolar world, and that's just fine with them. Or I'm sorry, multipolar world. This is the clarity I'm trying to, to reach with everybody. There are powerful interests behind the scenes who benefit from the current unipolar world, and there are powerful interests who want a multipolar world from which they benefit. A Discord member and I were having a discussion on Friday, August 26, which kind of launched this topic. There are those with certain global organizations we discuss frequently, such as the Council on Foreign Relations, Club of Rome, London Corporation, Elements of the World Economic Forum, and the list goes on, who've said the world is heading towards a multipolar state. They say it as though they see clouds on the horizon are predicting rain rather than creating the situation we're living with. The high level is the transition has created conflict and global pain in the financial markets the last 10 years as the shift is accelerating. But we also have to remember, these things never just happen, they're managed. There's powerful forces trying to figure out how to soften the landing of a unipolar world from which they benefited and still sustain some form of control and influence. 
You then hear news stories about the dollar is strong, then the dollar's in doubt. What does a world not denominated in dollars look like? That's all code for the transition from a dollar-based unipolar world to a digital multipolar one. In that future multipolar world, though, central bank currencies are desired because it will sustain a unipolar-like control in a multipolar world. Let me try and say that again because I may have lost some of you. The belief it has been that when you have a unipolar world where it's predominantly the United States calling the shots in the global environment and in international affairs and military and the list goes on, that there was a level of control that they had over the world's populace. So there's a belief in some circles, if we shift to a multipolar world, it breaks up that power and allows you to operate independently because it's just a bunch of, of powerful countries kind of looking out for their own interest. That's an illusion. This move towards a multipolar world is an attempt, whether it's a multipolar political and economic world or unipolar, it doesn't matter. There are forms of control and they're trying to institute through digital currencies and similar that it, it doesn't matter what the political or economic system looks like. They'll, they'll still have immense influence and control over what people do. CJ has said this several times. We've got to avoid this kind of narrative of, quote-unquote, there's good people pushing for the multipolar world and unipolar folks are bad. It's just more a reality of very powerful people above our pay grades on both sides are battling this out. And recall what I said as well about any media personality figure or public figure. They can switch sides in 24 hours if it's their interest to do so and if their handlers say it's okay. So you'll continue yeah. to see people like Al Roker freeze up on TV if you recall my show from two mm. weeks ago. The challenge for us is our vigilance on the timing and the details as this proceeds. And it's my belief that the illusion of a multipolar world where all countries have a chance to interact equally without massive influence in the United States or other elites is indeed an illusion. The reality of that illusion is more centralized control in the world in which we live in. The net outcome for the United States, and for those of us who live here, officially as world power will be lost prestige, influence, balkanization of the country, and a lowered standard of living depending on where you live. So what's needed? We need folks to keep working at the local level, like CJ often says. And if you don't know how or what that even looks like, then go start your journey to kind of figure that out, and you can certainly leverage the resources on Discord. The impact to our standard of living is the greatest concern, and it's where obviously all of us here at Rogue will continue to monitor that uh, relative to uh, options and investments in that new system. So with that, I'll open the floor, CJ, for your thoughts and comments. Yeah, I mean, that, no, um, great perspectives, Velas, a lot through to chew through through that. Um, you know, just going through memory here, I, I think it's important to remember that even the people who want to be able to control the narrative, control the news cycle, understand how powerful and disruptive is to independent um, media. I won't call us journalists. I'm not a journalist. I would never deem that. And so for that reason, you need to be mindful of people who are infiltrating that. I personally feel that they understand how powerful, you know, Joe Rogan is and that they particular will plant certain people on his show uh, for their agenda. So that's one. The second piece of that is that, you know, most commentators, including myself, we live within certain our own ideologies, our own belief system that we have been exposed to 
whether it's uh, uh, life experiences or cycles that are happen that kind of lead us in our conversation. And you need you need to understand that. And it's okay to have those differences, several, several differences. You know, some people would say, hey, this is you need to move here because this this place has the best this and that. But but when I look at it, I'm like completely polar opposite. You know, though, those things are going to take place So as you listen to the commentary, you gather your information is to put that filter on and to understand that that person is is going through it and, and, and speaking to what their life experiences is, is what their uh, ideologies are, what their belief systems are. It may not be right. I'll be I'll, I'll tell you flat out what I say a lot is is what I believe. It's my belief system and where I hold true. But it's up to you as an individual to process it, to evaluate it and determine what's going to work best for you as an individual and for your family. And that's, I know it's not an easy thing to do because you're like, well, CJ, you're, you're saying this and Rogue says this, and this one says this, it's, it's not an easy path uh, to, to go through. So just, you know, just keep that in mind. Do, and I guess, you know, just do your own homework. So that's, that's the first portion of it. The second piece of it is I think what we're witnessing right now is an escalation of the power struggle that's occurring between the people who are, are trying to dictate what's happening in our in our country and the the opposite, which is the other uh, elite class. So it's 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 very at this point, very transparent of that elite class struggle that's happening. Hence the reason why they had to break Obama out and put him back in on the pedestal, you know, try to get him excited about some things with the deep state operatives. And at some point, we'll have to have a future conversation on how that is uh, working to program us into back into this class, uh, status class of between, you know, the left and right paradigm of what's what's happening in, in our in our country. We just we just can't be we can't be fooled by that. We, we have to understand that. Stay focused, stay diligent on what's right for you and your family and your community. Make those right decisions. And we can have open conversations, some open dialogue in regards to what that may look like. But at the same time, we can't fear about having uh, opposing views on those things because I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh, it, it's healthy to have a, a difference in opinion about things, um, especially during this time when we're, we're considering a multitude of things that are occurring to us all at once, whether it's the transnational agenda, whether it's the social construct that's taking place in our country, the social programming. There's so many variables and it's all out there, potentially like Villa says, and maybe, maybe confuse us, maybe keep us lost, keep us hopeless that that's hap happening. Uh, because why? Because it keeps us in a state of either, either fear of, of uncertainty. And, and I, I, I'm at this point right now in my life where I refuse to be managed by all of that. I, I'm, I'm more solid than ever that I'm dictating the direction that I'm going to for my, in my life, for my family. And I'm not going to allow those things to, to dictate where I'm going through. So just, just, you know, do some, do some, look yourself in the mirror and, and ask yourself some, some tough questions and determine what that's going to be for you and your family as we navigate through this. And, and, and I, for one, don't even want to pretend that I have 10% of the answers to what this is going to look like. I just know this is that, you know, what we're doing here at Rogue, and I don't speak for the entire Rogue, but we bring a, a multitude of different 
thoughts, thought leaders, provoking different ideas, historians, people who provide certain understanding, certain analytics, people who are much smarter than I am. So, so take that for what it is. And, and, and it, it may sound like, like an uncertain topic, but I think it really falls back to the power of the individual, the power of the individual to decipher information and determine what's going to work for you. So Velas, I apologize. That was long winded, but I just felt it needed to be said. No, that's, that's all good stuff and spot on CJ. And, and you know, the other thing too, I'd offer food for thought folks is always remember that back before academia become, became industrialized and weaponized, the whole point of, and I use the word loosely, higher education, even secondary school up to college, was, I wouldn't say to challenge belief systems, but to first start by giving you a wide variety of information. I know that theme is something that CG and I have said today, and it's been said on, on Rogue and other all folks in alternative space have said similar about um we provide the information as best we can and it has our views attached to it and you need to kind of go off and do with that what you will. But that was the whole point of higher education. It wasn't indoctrination like it, it can and unfortunately is many times now. It was meant to offer you a wide variety of information that you may have not had previously. Professors really evaluated based on your capacity to think. It didn't matter whether or not they agreed with your conclusions in a paper or in a, in a um, debate scenario or what have you. It was, is there logic to your argument? You could be flat wrong, but, but it was like, is there logic to your argument? Are you thinking logically? Are you thinking critically? And there's nothing more dangerous to anyone of power than being able to think critically. And again, it doesn't mean you'll always get it, but your ability to evaluate the situation. Now, I could go with kind of a George Carlin kind of narrative and just say, well, simply if we begin from the standpoint that everything we hear is bullshit and work backward from there, um, that's a bit jaded, but it is kind of true, especially now. Before I left out to the West Coast or the left coast, if you will, I had been just on a personal level pondering a lot of the stuff that's out there in the news right now. And, and as I've often said, many of the alternative websites or aggregator news sites, whether it's um, Citizen Free Press, Zero Hedge, Rantingly, and each of these kind of have a different audience to whom they're appealing, Revolver, the list goes on, especially Zero Hedge from the financial standpoint. Um, there was kind of a narrative out there, and there were a number of stories talking about the content that we see, and it was kind of this attitude of who in the heck in their right mind can still believe the shit they're spewing, whether it, I mean, it's like the White House. Now, I've got Mike Moore, of True Pundit over on one side where I take at face value what Mike's saying because he's been proven right many times and it makes sense and there's others who are, are confirming that. Plus, there's the FAA flight logs. Uh, President Joe Biden is like some character out of Star Trek where they just keep him medicated and roll him out when they need him to say something and the rest of the time they leave him in a room with a toy and just tell him to... Uh, keep himself amused until they need him again. It's one of the reasons why they keep uh, sending him back out to the, you know, the, the media spin was, well, the president has the right to take time off and spend time with family. Uh, that's bullshit. Um, you know, they run uh, the state uh, that they're from. They have for years. It's multi-generational. You can go get Ryan Dawson's big poster about the, about the Biden family as a, as a criminal enterprise. It lists each and every family member and what, what they're involved with up in Delaware. 
But I've said before, why do they keep sending the president back to Delaware? Well, number one, because it's a family property. Number two, it's not the White House. Number three, there's no records. There's no records of who's visiting him. There's no records of doctor's visits. There's no records of anything. And that's another reason why it takes place. Now, not to be too jaded, but then I fly out to the West Coast and I'm sitting in various airport lounges and similar and uh, doing other things and talking to other people. And it isn't just a, uh, what do you call it? Um, it isn't It isn't just a uh, function of disagreement. The stuff that I heard coming out of people out in California, certain parts of California, because let's be honest, I mean, if you move out of the cities and you go out into the farm country and stuff, they're, they're I don't want to say as conservative as the Midwest, but but their view is not the same as as folks living in major metropolitan areas. But the narratives that I would hear coming out of people where I thought, oh, okay, I'm going to channel my inner Gus, Gus Demos. Uh, you're the audience that's listening to the major three networks who no longer serve a purpose. You're the one who's listening to CNN. Conversely, there's a whole community of people for whom you're the ones listening to Fox News. It's not to say you still can't get get data out of those news sources, but you got to heavily, heavily filter it. So, again, almost kind of abusing the topic, but we've been covering on Rogue for some time, especially since I joined uh, the show in the the late fall of uh, 2020. We are on the cusp of major economic, political, and social changes. But contrary to what we believe, and contrary to um, the data that's been presented, especially the, the deep research by people like Matthew Arrett on Rogue, as well as other folks in the alternative community. Historians and the media and others will always portray this as a natural, organic process of just people and governments working through problems, and that's how we solve issues and this, that, and the other. No, no, that's all an illusion. I mean, even when I worked with major corporations, much less federal agencies, there was always somewhere, somebody, not completely in control, but there was always someone somewhere who had a disproportionate level of control. Could be medium-sized company worth a couple of hundred million dollars operating out of the Midwest, but you've still got some of the founders, family members sitting on the board and they're still tying stuff up and they don't want a lot of change because that means risk, even though the company may die if they don't make those changes. So they just keep letting things muddle through. And then you've got that old standard of everyone is sitting in a meeting and they're all just echo chambering to death about, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. I, I mentioned on another show that, you know, we've got more and more stories out there of people talking about folks inside federal agencies or people in the medical community who are saying, you know, well, I'm going to lose my job if I have to do the following, if I have to give you other medical choices, if I have to give you other options inside the government, et cetera. Now, on the one hand, you could get tied up on that narrative and trying to get, quote unquote, to the truth, whatever that might be. Equally, it goes to why I keep mentioning this thing about the law. Or you can start doing research and figuring out how do you leverage the tools? Because most federal agencies, and trust me, I know, most federal agencies have a host of ways that you can hold them to account for their actions. They're not going to tell you about it. I mean, I've been in government contracting like it's a bad scene out of the movie Brazil where, for those of you who know the film, where everyone in the room is just sitting there saying, well, yeah, we're going to have to spend another two years working on this. And we just we just can't possibly get anything done. 
and I'm in the corner saying, well, but what if I filled out a federal SF blah, blah, blah form? And you can just, you can just see the sweat pouring off people's foreheads because it's like, oh, God, he knows about the form. <laughs> and it's like, really? Really, this is the world we're in. That, you know, I remember telling a, a, a senior executive service, SES officer, in a parking lot off the, off the grounds of, of uh, the building we were working in for a major defense contractor. And I remember looking at him saying, I've seen some shit in this town and I've seen some stuff in D.C. But I said, this is flat out fraud. This is fraud. And he's just standing there with his arms folded, looking at me with a thousand yard stare going, I, I really need you to stop using that word. Well, because it's not true. No, because it causes problems. Holy shit. Like we're on the cusp of a human rights violation here. I need you to stop talking like that. Boil this down for me. Okay, fine. It's a Native American contractor out of Alaska. And they they get the biggest set-asides of anyone in government contracting. I'm listening. So it's not a woman-owned business. It's not a minority-owned business. It's not you have multiple checkboxes of different disadvantaged people in American society. They are it. And, and they're causing massive corruption and fraud here. They're delaying a major initiative for the government dealing with supply chains for the next five years because they claim they can't move data from point A to point B. And if you start investigating them, you're going to find they've committed fraud. And then we're going to have to go after everybody else who's committed fraud. And then it's just going to spread. And then you're going to have a car accident. Or... We have this little known provision. Here we go. We have this little known provision where your firm won't be blamed and we, the government, can come up with more money. Before we walk back in the building, explain this just a little bit more clearly for me. Sure. If you came to us and you filled out the standard form that says, hey, we did our jobs, but the government screwed up and we can't get our shit done and we need more money. Well, then we are in trouble because we, the government, screwed up. If you follow this crazy idea of yours of investigating another federal contractor who, let's say, hypothetically has done what you say they've done, well, then the inspector general's offices are going to get involved, and OSI is going to get involved, the Office of Special Investigations for the Air Force, and they're always looking for something to investigate, never mind whether it's in everybody's best interest. I'm like, whatever that best interest may be. Yes, well, that's whichever way the wind's blowing, Vellis. So we have a little note. You're fond of using forms everybody forgets exist. We have a form that says, well, we it's the equivalent of we woke up one morning and realized, shit, this isn't anywhere near where we thought it was. It's just one of those things. We need more money. And I'm like, wow, I'm pretty jaded when it comes to government contracting. But you mean to tell me we have a we don't know what this is, but we need more money for him? And he goes, pretty much. He goes, go, go on, the, on the website. You won't find it under its, under its official name. And I said, let me guess. Go to settings or go to other? And he goes, go to other. And he goes, and you'll find this form. Now, don't fill it out today, but submit it to me like next Tuesday after all the meetings are over on Monday. And that's exactly what happened. And they came up with more money. So as the old saying goes, you may not like the way the system works and you may not have any control over how the system operates, but you sure as heck can move the system. And I noticed some comments out there uh, about various experiences folks have had in court or with child support and similar. 
And it, it also goes to, I hate to say this, but it goes to what we've talked about on the show uh, with what happened with uh, various school boards. And I hate to say it, but it's like as soon as people's self-interest, your kids, were threatened in a way that, I hate to say this equally, rose to the level that it got your attention. It was amazing how fast people started picking up the phone and calling relatives, people they knew, doing research, putting notes together, people coming over to other folks' homes with cups of coffee, sitting around trying to figure this out. It's like, oh, hey, did you know that most school officials are covered under insurance bonds in case there's some sort of risk? Did you know you can file a complaint with those groups? Did you know you can? I thought Freedom of Information Act was only if I want the Defense Department to tell me about Roswell, New Mexico. No, you can fill that out at the state level if you need the following. Oh, I didn't know that. And this also goes to my comment about people like Peter Thiel or others in Silicon Valley and kind of circling back, folks, to the South Park episode with the thing about why did you sign the service contract for the iPhone? There are some, I worked with them when I did a project for those people up in Silicon Valley. There are folks in Silicon Valley that they're, I don't want to say as bad, but but they're kind of of the same mindset as English aristocrats in the 1800s. It's like the the uh, um, the ultimate uh, example of candid camera, for those of you who remember that program from the 1970s, where Alan Funt was always looking at the audience saying, we thought it would be fun and interesting if we did the following to see what people's reactions were. I once read a white paper by somebody who said that they always felt that candid camera was actually a CIA operation to test the public's response to things. The irony is, is that's probably closer to reality than most people know. But my point is, in all of this mix, the other irony is, is there are powerful people out there that they do like, for lack of a better word, pulling various experiments on people to see what the public's reaction might be. And on a certain level, though I've been very happy to see how quickly the public has learned how to block shot mandates and to work on school boards and to work on local government. But it did take a certain level of pain to get the public to react. And I assure you, there's a great nervousness now by very powerful people because it's like the public is learning how to fight back. There's a a comment attributed to General Rommel of the German military during World War II during North African campaigns when U.S. forces were first fighting uh, German forces during the war. And one of Rommel's staff members kind of smugly said, well, at the uh, first major engagement with American forces, I'm not impressed. And his response was, you don't need to be. He said, yes, we won and won decisively, but American troops were under British command, not under American command. And I'm familiar with some of who the American commanders are. And his comment was, every time we engage the Americans, they learn, they get better. And we, we, Germany, by 1943, 1944, we can ill afford to lose any more troops. We can ill afford to lose any more resources to educate the Americans how to fight us more effectively. And that's kind of how I view the world situation right now. We have citizens in the Czech Republic, what was it, 50, 60,000 people demonstrating, saying, why the hell are we getting involved in Ukraine? We have, we have people across Europe right now burning, burning. Boy, that'll get the power structure's attention. They're burning their damn power bills. We've got British law enforcement in the United States getting trained on how to handle civil disruptions. Why? Because they're worried about this winter. And, of course, we had the incident recently in Indiana where 
several uh, CJ remind me they were from the Netherlands or Holland. That is, yeah, Holland. they were. Yeah, they were for the from Holland. They were here on a training. Um, right, they were they were training in the United. I know the facility because I'd worked with Homeland Security for a number of years. We we have training facilities around the United States that are set up to look like bombed out cities. We've got places that are set up to look like disaster areas, like a plane has crashed or whatever, where they they train first responders. But we got a whole bunch of people in the United States right now who aren't Americans, and they didn't come up from the southern border. No harm, no foul. But their law enforcement and military from predominantly Western European countries. Why, why, why folks are they in the United States right now? I'll tell you why they're in the United States right now. They're training and training quickly on how to deal with civil disturbance. Because you start cutting off food and power and heat in winter, uh, there's some folks out on our Discord page who have a vigorous, uh, a vigorous exchange going on about um, prepping in Germany and Austria. Now, maybe not American kind of prepping with, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious, the guns and the pickup trucks, but wood and other burnable resources and gardens and things in their backyards. You know, people in Britain and Germany and France are talking to their, their aged relatives asking about, you know, the World War II years and how did we grow food in our backyards when war was raging everywhere we went. The Europeans are learning how to fight back. And as I've often joked, Nothing, nothing brings a smile to my face faster than watching pissed off Italians because because nobody can bring the heat to their government like Italy can do. Although there's some definitely some runners <laughs> up, so it's like, yeah, you start cutting off heat to Sicilians this winter, yeah. Oh God, hang on, let me go grab a beer. That'll be a good one. So anyway, take care, everybody. Keep the faith. Look out for your loved ones. Look out for yourselves. CJ, any final thoughts on your part? No, I, I think that's it, Velas. Um, thank you for uh, a great show today and appreciate everyone uh, tuning in, uh, listening to our our live stream. It's, um, you know, again, these are just very interesting times that we're, we're, we're navigating through and we're just trying to trying to do our best here to try to make some some sense of it. So and, and for all those active in the chat, appreciate you um, commenting, posting here. And um, yeah, just, you know, what Vela said at the beginning is, you know, go for a walk, go outside, enjoy some fresh air, uh, find a way to unplug, if you will. I guess that's a statement, whether it's working out, whatever you need to do to uh, to get to your point where you have some reasoning. Um, last night I took a walk outside. It was a beautiful full moon and um, the, the air was perfect. It had been 80 degrees through the day. So I went for a walk and I was just. Like I, wa I walked barefooted. I, I didn't wear any shoes and just went for a walk. And I'm like, I'm just going to you hippie. You know, huh? Yeah, I'm a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> no, no weed involved homo sir, hobo. I know hobo was probably like, what else were you doing out there, CJ? I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm just going to chill out, you know, and, and do that. But yeah, so a uh, great show today, Velas. And like I said, I, I appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, do us a favor, hit that, uh, you know, go over to roguenews.com. It's the best place to go to find all of our content all of our videos. And then obviously this weekend with the Schiller Institute conference, um, it's just going to be tough. There's a lot going on to, to simulcast that, but Velas, thank you so much for a great show. And uh, we will be back on Monday.
in crypto cowboy radio i love pickup trucks man three quarter done three quarter ton dodge with a creeper in first gear dana 60 uh front and rear end and a cummins diesel baby there you go there you go cummins, there you go. cummins, cummins columbus indiana there we go yes sir all right fellas thank you so much